What's going on and welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope this podcast finds you well as we continue our NBA draft prep. November 18th is the day. Pelicans is the number 13 pick. And as we did with the Minnesota Timberwolves, we're going to go in order um, one through 13. So now we go to the Golden State Warriors. Hard to believe at number two. Jamaican and Hopper joins me again. And our guest for today is Nick Fridell, who covers the NBA for ESPN. And Nick, you, you primarily covered the Golden State Warriors early on last season. It seems like a long time ago, but it was only a few weeks ago. The season ended, um, then kind of had to turn your attention to someone else after uh, everything kind of broke loose in Golden State with all the injuries. But first off, I appreciate it. And just talk about the wild ride it's been for, for everyone as an NBA reporter for you, more importantly, uh, throughout this last season. Yeah, the, the last season is unlike anything I've ever seen. And the, the difference is that everybody went into the year and it was kind of like, well, you've got this team and you've got that team. And, and certainly for me, after moving to the Bay, it was you've got the Warriors. And my whole season before the pandemic hit, got flipped because Steph broke his hand and that was it (laughs) it was like you're gonna be based in the bay you're still gonna go to a bunch of Warriors games but we're gonna have you bouncing all over the place so uh, a few months later after that injury everybody's world got turned upside down and I think I can speak certainly for all my colleagues everybody started doing anything they could to help and covering any team uh, that was in and around them and they could click on a zoom call and jump in and out of different press conferences. So it's, it's not something I will ever forget, but it was, it was a roller coaster for everybody for a variety of reasons, but certainly for reporters around the league, everybody had to adjust on the fly. Before we get to what the, the, I guess the Warriors could do with the number two pick, it's crazy for them that we're projected to still potentially be a playoff team. Probably would have been if the injuries didn't happen to Steph Curry. Of course, Draymond Green missed a ton of games. You already knew about Clay Thompson. But now they sit at number two. You expect all these guys to come back healthy. So it's kind of hard. And plus the addition of Andrew Wiggins, what are the team needs, not only just for the draft, but for agency? What are some of the team needs for a Golden State team that already has a ton of assets? They need depth. That is the biggest key. And Daniel, when you look at the roster, we know what Steph and Clay and Draymond are going to give when they're healthy. And by all accounts, the Warriors are confident that all three of those guys are going to come into whenever next year starts and, and look like themselves and, and look like the, the top tier all-star like players that they've been throughout uh, much of their careers. But the difference between the old Warriors and these Warriors are that you just don't know where the rest of that depth is going to come from. And there's going to be so much focus on Wiggins because aside from one game, you haven't really seen him play with Steph. You've never seen him play with Clay. You don't know how he's going to adapt to the new structure that he's in. And then Kevon Looney has injury questions, but they hope that he's back to where he was. After that, Eric Paschal had a nice rookie year. The Warriors are high on him. Jordan Poole uh, is is trying to develop a, a name for himself in, in the league after a rough rookie year. But you don't know where the contributions are going to come from. Uh, Damian Lee is a guy who bounced around the league a little bit. He seems to have found a home with the Warriors, but will that stick long term? Marquise Chris, uh, as a, a backup big man, is, is he going to be an answer that Steve Kerr can rely on? What do they do with this pick? What do they do with that Andre Gudala 
trade exception that's kind of floating out there still. So there are a lot of questions, but I think there's so much focus around this is the Warriors. And my point to anybody is, yes, they have Steph, Clay, and Draymond, but these Warriors aren't those Warriors. And and it's going to be really intriguing to see how they fit together moving forward, not just this year, but in the next few seasons. Before I get to Jim, uh, I think it's still just crazy how the fact that before last season, they went to the finals five straight times, then they completely, I guess, collapsed from an injury standpoint and now have the number two pick. And then after this offseason, potentially going back to contenders, uh, have you ever seen such a kind of a, a flip the switch for a team that goes from NBA finals to top two pick to maybe being back to where they are in just such a short amount of time? Just seems like a very unique situation for this ball club. It is, and I've never seen it in all my years covering the league because we're not used to seeing a dynasty that's going for five years to the finals and having all this success. And it was like somebody came in and just hit a a big pause button. And the Warriors certainly still believe that they're going to get right back up to the top. Does the rest of the league believe that? Uh, Depending on who you talk to, you're not really sure, but to, to just say, well, it's over. I don't think that's fair either, because when you have Hall of Fame-like players that you have in, in Steph, Clay, and, and potentially Draymond, you have top-tier guys who have been motivated by the fact that lots of people think, ah, it's over. <laughs> so they've been listening to all that. I think there's a motivation there. And they want to prove that they can still win at the highest level. So. I don't buy into anybody who's saying, well, it was a nice run for the Warriors, but they're done now. I think these guys have all been paying attention to what's being said. They're confident that Kerr and Bob Myers and Joe Lacob and the ownership will put together the pieces around them that they need, and they're they're ready to go right back to where they were. Nick, you know, you mentioned how the the depth of this team is really maybe the biggest need as far as what they need to add to the roster. And I think – This is where it gets really interesting with this number two pick. There's a lot of speculation from everywhere of what they're going to do with it. Do you get a, do you have a sense of um, based on the needs that they have and the situation that they have that they're in, which is so unique as we've touched on a lot already. um, What do they do with this pick? Do they, is it likely that they trade it? Is it the kind of thing where they're in an enviable position where they can just see whoever Minnesota takes at number one and then just say, we'll take, you know, one of the the top three guys that people have talked about, obviously, are Ball, Edwards, and Wiseman. Um, what's your sense of, of, based on the situation they're in, of what they might do with this number two pick? Jim, my feeling all along, dating back for months, was that if they got the right offer, that they would move the pick. Because they know, like we know sitting here, that window and that runway of trying to win a title and, and being ready and able to do it is so small. And it can disappear on you so quickly. So they want to come out next year and go try to contend for another championship. So that means that if the right younger player who's got a little more experience becomes available, I think just my educated guess is that they would still move it. But there are so many moving pieces in this. And I know you guys have have gone through this a lot. Uh, over the last few weeks and, and everybody around the league, it's been a topic of conversation. What do the, do the financials look like for lots of teams? What does the salary cap situation look like? Nobody's quite sure how it's all going to play out, but I think the Warriors know full well that 
they have got to hit the ground running whenever the year starts. And so is there a chance that they might decide, hey, we like these guys. We've done our research. Maybe we'll we'll see what happens with Minnesota up top and, and we'll just make the, the next pick accordingly. Of course there is. But in the grand scheme of things, depending on what other teams decide in the next few weeks, if the Warriors got the right offer for that pick and, and something else, I still think they would be motivated to make the move and to go down that road. Theoretically, not to put you on the spot, but I know with your Syracuse University background, you are a quick thinker. But um, if, if they do keep the pick, I mean, what, which of the three top guys do you think is, a, is the best fit? It, it seems like a lot of people say that Wiseman makes the most sense based on the position. They obviously don't need guards and they don't need um, a starting two guard or, or point guard. So um, what's your thoughts on that? Not to put you on the spot. Jim, on paper, it's always been Wiseman. He yeah. has always been the guy who has kind of drawn the most interest, certainly from the fan base. And and when you talk to people internally, I think the, the key for Wiseman, not just with the Warriors, but with everybody is, Nobody's really seen him play. I mean, yeah. he's at Memphis for like three games. Yeah. Yeah. And and so the talent is is absolutely there, but nobody has seen him. He is really the ultimate kind of if you trust your scouting up to that point and you trust the, the people who have been doing that work for so long, then go for it. But uh, I I think that his game from the the brief moments that we have seen in his college career his game would fit what the Warriors like to do get up and down uh, he can he's got the size he can he can get up and down the floor and and move with Draymond and Steph and if he starts knocking down a little bit more of a shot you're thinking okay uh, there's some some more space that you've got to account for but anybody who tells you Jim right now this is the guy or that's the guy I, in all the people I've talked to around the league. I don't, I don't get that sense really from anybody that any one of these guys at the top, and you mentioned the, the three names that have been bounced around the most, nobody is certain. This is not a Zion situation as you guys know. Well, mm-hmm. Zion was the guy. And then if Zion wasn't the guy, Ja uh, was a hell of a player. We saw what he did last season, but there was certainty in that. There is not that certainty right now you know turning to kind of the west overall i think one of the things that is i thought was funny after this year's lottery is that people have talked for years about how the west is so much tougher and deeper than the east and then the lottery happens this year and the top two teams again are in the western conference so i feel like a lot of teams in the west are kind of like when is this ever going to turn in the other direction but um Obviously, for Golden State, the goal is not to make the playoffs. It's much loftier than that. But you have teams like the Pelicans who want to make that step towards the playoffs. When you look around the West right now, obviously, there's a bunch of moves that are going to happen between now and whenever the next season starts in terms of draft, free agency trades. But, I mean, how, how tough do you think it's going to be for not just the Pelicans, but even a team like Phoenix that went 8-0 in the bubble? And I'm sure their optimism is sky high. When you look at the conference – just how difficult is it going to be just even finishing the top eight this season? It's going to be the toughest it's ever been. Mm. I can't remember even as a, a fan dating back all the years I've been following the league, a year when 
everybody in a conference and and everybody in the league when the season starts you go oh we got a chance if the if the pieces fall the right way we got a chance to make this happen uh, we can we can really get into the the playoff picture but in the west i think as we as we look into whenever the new year starts every one of those teams believes yeah we can get there we can get over that threshold and and potentially get into the postseason. So uh, it's going to be very difficult. You and I have talked about over the last year, so I, I really like the Pelicans pieces. I, I think they've got the structure in place from a, a roster standpoint uh, as, as far as talent goes. There's, but there's a lot more that goes into that, as we know. But uh, as far as next year and the playoffs go, that is going to be the toughest the toughest that we've seen uh, in a long, long time. Because if we all agree that the Warriors are going to be in there somewhere, that means that somebody who is already in there is going to be knocked out. And that still leaves time for teams like New Orleans, Phoenix. Uh, you know, Memphis is going to say, ah, we, we should have been in last year. We're going to try to get in uh, this year. There are so There's so much uncertainty, but there is so much talent in that conference. And it's going to be fun to watch. You know, one quick thing I just thought of when you were talking about that is the idea that they implemented this past season of having a play in that this might be the best possible time, at least in the Western Conference, to put that in. I can't imagine the excitement if, you know, say it's eight, nine, the way it was last year, maybe it's seven, eight, nine, ten, however they want to make the format. But I think that could make for a really interesting conclusion to the to the uh, regular season and as well as the beginning of the playoffs. And also, it just seems like maybe this might not apply to the East, but it just seems like it might be the perfect time to uh, put that in. So, but you're absolutely right. And I just add this the most intense regular season game I've seen in all the years I've covered the league was that Denver, Minnesota game a few years back. Game 82. game 82. And this kind of led to the more of the play in discussion, but that game was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was fun to watch and see so i am with you completely whether it's seven eight nine ten or eight nine ten eleven whatever the structure is sure. the more intense games you can create and the drama at the end the better for the league and i'm with you i think they're sitting there as we speak trying to figure out how do we make this happen going into the next regular season last thing before i kick it back to daniel i i kind of quickly was wondering is there is there any way, can we do like an online petition or, or something to get you on the jump more? <laughs> I want to put together something where we say, can we put Nick on more? Can we get Zach Lowe on more? Can we get Amin El Hassan on? And, and you, maybe we can talk about this after the show, but we'll come up with something and we'll put it out there for people. They can sign it and and sent and we can send it in. So just I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping I'm hoping my my turn comes back around with the Warriors' reemergence into the conversation. <laughs> but you know, it, it wouldn't hurt if the Bulls started to get better too, because so many people for all the years I was in Chicago still still relate me to that team. So the teams that I've been around, the Tibbs in New York, he needs to he needs to start winning some games to kind of amp me up. But I appreciate the push for sure. <laughs> Jim has already started an account on change.org, so you can log on to there and sign the petition. During this time right now, it's more important than what's going on as far as the election, so make Definitely. sure to go on and get Nick Friedell on the jump more. Nick, I really appreciate the time. 
Um, this is going to be an interesting offseason, that's for sure. I think everyone's kind of wait to see how the draft goes, offseason, salary cap, when the season will even start, you name it. Um, you do such a good job covering the league, and we look forward to catching up with you guys soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. There he goes. That's Nick Friedel, who covers the NBA for ESPN. And, Jim, we're, we're through one week here of covering the NBA draft with picks one and two, Minnesota and Golden State. It, it's going to be real interesting as we're starting to learn about these teams and what they need how much whether these teams at the, the front of the draft could potentially trade back, knowing that, you know, people talk about, as you mentioned, it's not really top heavy, but it could be as deep of a draft as, as, as we've seen in a while from a lot of people say it's going to be real interesting when we start talking next week with Charlotte and Chicago, how these different teams are feeling about where they're at with their, with their spots in the draft. Yeah. And I definitely think as you kind of alluded to, there's also a, a bit of a difference in between the East and West in terms of goals that teams have. Um, we don't know yet what the format is going to be for next season, as we kind of briefly discussed with Nick, that they might implement a play-in next year. But I do think that it's in, in terms of the, the top of both conferences, I think you probably have similar situations. But as you get to the teams that are vying for playoffs, I think it's, it's just a much more difficult chore, I think, for some of the teams in the West, just because there's so much more competition. You, ha you hardly have any teams in the West that are in the mode of like looking at two or three years down the road. Pretty much everyone thinks that, as Nick talked about, that they can be competitive right now. Whereas in the East, I think you have more long-term rebuilding going on in various cities. So I do think that that will be interesting to hear um, from some of the teams that we have coming up in the East of where things are and, and how the competition affects them. But but it, it is it is interesting that once again, we have the top two picks are going to be coming out of the Western Conference based on what happened at the lottery. That's how they always line up, isn't it? Just it, just the way it goes with the Western Conference um, yep. these last few years. And I feel like for, for years to come, it's going to be the case. But as you mentioned, next week, we'll, we'll dive into the Charlotte Hornets at pick number three and the Chicago Bulls at pick number four. Two young teams that, as Jim mentioned, are looking to get back in, in the playoff race. And we're also looking to get you guys back in the seats, hopefully soon with the NBA. And of course, Siki can't wait to get you back in the stands as well that you're on the Pelicans and sing along to our favorite songs. Again, they're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in the Big Easy, well, easier. Plus, every ticket purchased on SeatGeek is protected by their buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better if your event is canceled, guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. I hope everyone has a great weekend as we're starting to get closer and closer to the NBA draft. Our draft coverage will continue next week with Jim. And until then, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeking.